Welcome to Innovating Music, a podcast from the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation. I'm your host, Dr. Gigi Johnson. What fun we had at Music Biz. You'll be hearing a couple different podcasts from there. But the one we're going to be talking about today is with Deborah Fairchild from Viva Sound. What a wonderful conversation. We had a lot of fun with it. Looking in many ways at next generation tech as a trust business, or actually old music tech being a trust business for a long time, but the business getting bigger, broader, wider, and even more global. So Deborah Fairchild, uh, Executive Vice President there, talked with us from Nashville, where she lives uh, while we were at Music Biz, talking about anything from Nashville itself to why they're expanding into Sydney and, and Toronto ways that maybe metadata needs a sexier name and ways to be sort of the keeper of the digital flame, the validation, storage, and heartbeat underneath what's happening in this surge to streaming music. And it was great to talk to Deborah with a little bit of background noise while we're hanging out at Music Biz in May 2018. It's interesting because we're taking a look now in the podcast looking at futures and structures to support the greatly accelerating futures going on with streaming and all the digital content. Mm -hmm. And you guys are kind of facing backwards and forwards. Absolutely. Can you maybe take a minute to talk about just the core of what you guys are doing so and kind of hang the future on it? That'd be really cool. Absolutely. So first of all, thank you for interviewing me and talking about Viva Sound. We are starting our 17th year, and I've been with the company going on 16 years. So no, it it's was called really something else before, though, right? Yes, we were previously called BMS Chase. Okay. We just rebranded. It didn't change any of the actual services we provide or the core company at all. It was just kind of a rebranding to describe. We got a tagline, verify, validate, and archive. So, so who made that up? We worked with a company in Miami, and they gave a bunch of different ideas and kind of talked to us and helped us because we verify and validate sound recordings, so Viva and Sound, and kind of gives a segue into talking about what we do instead of BMS Chase, which was kind of, we thought, a bank or something. You know, like people... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it didn't really... I'd like to make a deposit, please. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So we do, we've... We can handle transferring catalog material. So we worked with Bruce Springsteen, Garth Brooks, people like that, to take all of their recorded material through the decades of the 70s and the 80s. We have a co-venture with Blackbird Studios here in Nashville where combined we have every tape machine, every format available to anything that came out of the studio during these you know, artists who have really reputable careers that people want to hear it. So we can digitize starting with that. And then we also have um, a frontline business. So frontline meaning I'm recording today in 2018 and I want to put my content out tomorrow. You know, things can get not usually that quickly, but things can move really quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know, things can move really quickly now. So we have a process in place. Um, We work with Universal Music and Sony on all of their labels that they own. So we facilitate all of the content coming out of the recording studios, whether that be your bedroom or, you know, wherever. And not the finished track, not the mix track, all the parts and pieces? All, everything that um, creates the final mixes. Okay. So um, the kick, drum, bass, the beats, um, vocals, anything that, every single part that, from the music you hear on YouTube and Spotify. So maybe on Spotify, the album has 15 
audio files, right? 15 songs. But there may be 15,000 files that created those 15 wow. songs. So we handle all of that. It comes in through our process, and then we, we all have engineer backgrounds. So I have an engineering background. Our whole team are made up of engineers, and a lot of them still work on the side, you know, on albums and things like that in the studio, mixing and recording and things like that. But we do an audio QC, so now that music is QC. created, uh, it's a quality check. So okay. understanding, okay, this is the approved mix by the A&R. You know, this is actually what went to mastering a high-res file. We make sure all of the digital audio workstations, so the Pro Tools session, we open it and make sure it isn't missing any files. Because now that music is created so fragmented, I'm in Los Angeles, I do a beat in my bedroom I send the file to London and an hour later someone downloads the parts adds to it you know it's really recorded all over the place technology has enabled that which is really really great but it's also for our clients messy right (laughs) you know not being able to ensure that they have every single part once it's at mixing and and mastering so there's able to see what all the parts are right and also creates, I'm assuming, security in that process? Exactly. So we have a back end that's extremely se- secure that is specialized in music. So there's been a lot of different file sharing services that weren't created specifically for music. You know, like maybe, I'm not going to throw out the names because a lot of people know. I'm not trying to say that the companies aren't good file sharing, but you know, but there it was. there were also that were trying to be for music too for a while, that there's been various people who started up over time thinking this is a problem to be solved, mm-hmm. especially when songs get leaked out mm-hmm. or when they're not done yet and, and all mm-hmm. sorts of things have happened in the past. Absolutely. And, you know, I do obviously think that we have a, a good system in place, but it's, it comes to us. Everything is then immediately secured and backed up and verified. And then we have a, a platform that is DDEX compliant. So DDEX is the digital data exchange in our company was part of the founding companies that did the REN standards. So the REN is the recording information notifier. And so that structured message is now when we export the, the REN file, it can go import into our client systems and the data can flow from the studio into the content owner in a structured format. So Good. Oh, that's yeah. great. And thank you for defining the parts and pieces as we kind of flew by some of that stuff. I'm trying. <laughs> well, no, but yeah. it, it, it's, it's intentionally wonderfully complicated because it's a complicated set of processes. And this is part of it what really makes is. it a specialist realm to make sure this is all done right and well. Absolutely. And we've stayed very, very, very intentionally specialized. So through the years, you know, working with different record labels and everything's so fast-paced, we would get the questions, well, can you create stems from this? Can you master that for us? Can you, and we always defer and say no and introduce other studios and different engineers to do that. So, so we've stayed extremely specialized in what we do intentionally. And it also is storage? Yes, so we have the um, a platform called Asset Connect that they can our clients can access all of the files and it's searchable and they can send files around for repurposing. So when American Idol at the last minute needs the TV mix or, you know, whatever the opportunity is, they can access it quickly. And global? Yes. So we have offices in New York and Los Angeles, Nashville and London, and we're looking to expand um, into Sydney and 
Toronto later this year. So it's the, the core business is very vetted in the States, and so we're looking to continue to globally show that solution. Well, especially as streaming is growing all over the world with a lot of interesting opportunities overseas that wouldn't have been there necessarily in the even the download marketplace. Mm -hmm. What are you, why Sydney, why Toronto? Why, why are those markets on your radar? Well, it's interesting. People, um, a lot, we get a lot of referrals. So a lot of labels that we currently work with, if the A&R person really enjoys working with us, which they all do. No. <laughs> but, you know, we well, have great, yeah, we have great relationships. We're very behind the scenes in that, that part of it. And we always are trying to help, you know, help the producers, help the A&R, help, help bridge the, a disconnect there so there's been a lot of referrals to those those cities and we've already engaged in a lot of conversations and so it kind of leads to the next office opening so nashville mm -hmm. long time nashville why nashville nashville's been changing a lot nashville's been both growing as a, a production space mm -hmm. and way beyond country i mean what what what's nashville been for you guys as a long time hub and Nashville is a great, a really great town in terms of, I've thought about it because I've opened our other offices in the other cities. And I think one thing that's special about Nashville is the proximity effect. So you can still have spontaneous meetings. You can still decide to get in the car and drive 10 minutes. and Which isn't necessarily a 10 minute drive anymore because it, of the traffic. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because <laughs> there's still that, you know, a lot of the studios are in Berry Hill and there's still, there's little pockets of creativity and business that are accessible and you can, people are really approachable here, I feel like, and we can try new ideas and a lot of conversations can happen here. Or I think when I'm in the other cities, it's a much more scheduled thing, you know, and if you miss a meeting, you miss the meeting, and then it may be a month before you can meet with them in, in person. So, yeah, Nashville's just been a really great town in terms of the uh, P&E wing with the Recording Academy, the Grammys, standardizing that. Our company was involved in that in the inception, which came out of Nashville. So there's just been a lot of growth here that, I don't know. I don't know why necessarily, but it's just people are very down to earth and friendly and will talk and try out new things. And when they work, they work. And then you have, you know, long-term clients for. So in many ways, you're a technology business that's a relationship business. Yeah, it's very, um, it's funny. I think about that a lot. You know, we get to work with a lot of interesting and creative people, but it really is a relationship business of who the trust, you know, we're dealing with files that they don't want anyone to hear and sometimes never hear, you know, like they'll record songs and they don't mix it or release it, you know, for various reasons. So that trust factor is huge. I think of that oftentimes when an artist passes that there's all of the unreleased stuff. A lot of that is then sitting in your, in your digital house. Yeah, and it's great because then they can also, our clients can not always know. I mean, I think you go in, I don't think they invest money thinking it's not going to work. You know, like mm -hmm. they're always wanting it to work, but sometimes artists surprise them and they can, you know, something will hit. They recorded it in 2012 and it maybe didn't do well. And then five years later, for whatever reason, the artist really explodes and then they can go back and... Well, streaming's really done that in many ways. I'm assuming your business has changed pretty dramatically even in the past two, three years with the high double-digit increase in streaming in most marketplaces. How has your business Well, transformed? what I've seen with that is there was definitely a, 
a time, you know, switching from the CDs to the iTunes. I remember that when that happened and then iTunes to streaming and things like that. And I, from our perspective, what I've noticed is it's really now they're, our clients are creating even more content. So now they can get more and more out and there's the playlist and acoustic versions and the, the, the amount of remixes that they do now. It's just a lot of content because they don't have to worry about pressing physical. So mm -hmm. you may, or, getting they may a, or, or they're still pressing physical. They're getting in line to press physical, but yeah. yeah. And they may, you know, they may press the album, but they may not actually do physical mm -hmm. things of all the remixes and all the acoustic versions, but they may decide, Oh, this song did really well. We're going to send it out to 10 remixers and capitalize on it immediately. And so that, that, portion of the content never goes to a physical format but it is online so, so there so is the um so you've got all the parts and pieces that are the digital attributes assets pieces of the puzzle do you also are connecting the and holding the metadata with it or yes so we're gathering all of the metadata and we add in the technical metadata surrounding the recording so um, the bit depth sample rate file type what sort of digital audio workstation so the DAW if it was a logic session or you know, any technical metadata to describe the, the sound recording. Production notes as well? The production notes, uh, the credits. The credits are a really big, big thing that um, we do. We've now just released a free plugin called Studio Collect for engineers. So the engineers can now download this plugin, put it into their Pro Tools session or Logic session or GarageBand, whatever, whatever they're using to record. There's even one called Fruity Loops. Absolutely. <laughs> so our, when, when new things come in and it's like, what is this? You know, so we see all of the, you know, new workstations that people are working in. But this plugin, they can collect the credits and collect while they create. So they can add in the bits of metadata surrounding the people and then save it within their session. It goes on to the next person. They can add their credits and then they can export at the end of a project whenever they're wanting to take it to the DSPs or to the record labels and things like that. You can export a PDF or they can export a DDEX REN file. So it's giving the creative people creating music, we feel a big leg up in terms of elevating their text so they don't have to either do a spreadsheet or an email and things like that. It can flow right into the supply chain. So I'm assuming the volume of your business has been increasing pretty significantly with the transformations that are going on do you see it accelerating further as more things are going into the streaming pipeline and people want to go back and bring their catalogs in or is, is the the historicals kind of mostly been redigested into the digital environments it's a little bit of both and it's interesting in terms of who's aware of it, it, now the the conversation 10 years ago with record labels it was when i would say metadata they were looking at me like what you know like what it, what what is happening um, but now i feel like the awareness is there and so with that it brings it it's just interesting some of the artists that own their catalogs they don't really want it to be heard a different way and they're not interested in doing any remixes or things like that where other people come to us and they can't wait to dive into their catalog and make all the changes so I don't really know what makes people, you know, tick like that, like mm -hmm. actually want to get involved and really resurrect their catalog and do a lot with it. But definitely now with all of the opportunities and ways that consumers can consume music, I'm not a rock star, but if I were and had a huge catalog, I don't know why you wouldn't want to, you know, exploit it more and 
or suggested for to be doing collaborations with people and yeah, remix yeah, and whatever. Cool. Yeah, there's so many. Sample my stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's so many, so so many, and now there's lots of cool companies um, coming online that that's what they do. So there are um, companies called Soundstripe and different things where they are selling stem files mm-hmm. and things like that. Which We've is talked really about, cool. the, about stems in a few other episodes, but can you just take a second? You've mentioned stems twice about what a stem is. Oh, right. So a stem, um, a stem is a submix of the song. So when you go and you stream a song and it's one audio file, that has every bit in it. A stem is a submix. So if you close your eyes and listen to it, you wouldn't know if you were technically listening to one file or ten files, but the stems have all the effects printed on the audio files, and it is—it sounds like the mix, but it's separated out. So you could have your guitar stem. You could pull something. You could out, pull. Or you could pull something out. Pull the of threads the, of almost like a weave of a fabric. Yes. You could pull things. And it out. sounds like the mix, where the multi-track is raw. So when you, unless it's going through all the processing, it does not sound like the final mix. So what are your biggest sort of forward-looking challenges? What are the things that you see coming up the pike that you guys are going to have fun playing with with all these changes? Well, we're really excited. Uh, the fact that the REN standard with NDDEX, it was just published in Berlin in 2016, and now there was we were just in Paris at the plenary there in April of 2018. So it's really kind of it is one of the newest standards that is consumer facing. So it's where the inception of metadata starts. So all of the issues that have been going on and have been going on for years, now that we have this standard, now that engineers can download a free plugin and start start doing that, we're excited about, you know, integrating it into education and teaching it and providing technology that they can use. Because I think empowering creative creatives in the metadata space. So it's not People have asked, does it affect the audio? And it, it doesn't. So it's like providing them tools that they can gather metadata, send it along, as well as the music. It's going to be interesting to see. Metadata how needs that grows. a sexier name. I know. <laughs> Were you in our panel? No, oh, no, no. Oh my gosh. We, so I did a panel. Um, I put a panel. I, I love missed that your you panel said that. Yeah, on Tuesday. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I put a, we put a panel together called From Studio to Smartphone, talking about this and um, Universal did a video uh, for DDEX and for the panel, and that was the beginning. Uh, How to make metadata it sexy. Said, it said metadata needs, what did Beric say? He said, um, we, need a, we need to call metadata sex so everyone knows they need it. <laughs> that <laughs> was the opening line. a fun line. brand name or something, yeah, and right? So, and throughout the panel, I think it was Reed Chip, and he was one of the producer engineers on the panel, and he said that, he wants to rebrand it and just call DDEX a dollar sign, like money, uh, EX, so then it's sex. Anyway, I thought you were in there. No, that totally, I missed that piece of it. Yeah, it was just really funny. The whole panel turned into how the word metadata just isn't sexy enough. Yeah, and in many ways, it's where the money's being made and redirected and Absolutely. reconnected. And yeah, and, and there are, it's really been great to see that things are changing. So Reed mentioned on the panel that he got a check for $12,000 last week from a percussion part that he played on a hit song. And that's a credit, you know, but if the, we had Sony Nashville on the panel as well as one of our clients and Joe was said, well, I made sure that your credit got into the system in the right way. And he got a check, you know, for a percussion part. That's a lot of money that's- for 
you know, one song. Obviously, the song did well, yeah. but to get paid like that is really cool, and it is starting to happen more in terms of the royalties working if it's done right. But it's sort of an information replumbing, and you guys are kind of sitting fairly central in the replumbing aspect, so that's... Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. Um, it's been great talking so far. Yes. I, what the what the listeners are missing is your face lights up on all of this stuff. That that people like, this sounds nerdy. This sounds geeky. But I am a dork. It's great though, <laughs> right? I mean, there's there's so many great yeah. spaces and places for dorks in the music business now, right? <laughs> and and in many ways, in the replumbing of the business, it's like dork central time. It, it's there is now time and space to be actually making the stuff happen better and you guys are right in the middle of that and we've done it I think I said at the beginning I think starting my 16th year and it's it's I've seen over a decade of just the change and there was a time where the labels it felt everyone was really stressed you know there was a big stress feeling you know you'd walk into one of our big labels and you could just feel it everywhere and it's feeling like it's changing you know like there is there seems to be a more positive spin to it and even when you look at the numbers like the industry is doing better as a whole in terms of financial gain for everyone. And so it's becoming still not the roaring 90s that everyone talks about with CD sales. But I feel like it's a lot of fun and a lot of innovation is happening and a lot of people are working together instead of, you know, trying to be this, I don't know, macho thing of we're not going to work together. That, so. that definitely seems to be the vibe here at Music Biz overall is the how do we make this all come together yes. and work and happen and, yeah. and work for more people and, and, mm-hmm. and be part of that whole thing. Anything else you'd want to say to kind of close out our conversation here? Well, I just think um, it is a very innovative time and there are a lot of smart people involved and a lot of great ideas. So I just think if there are people listening that in music tech, that space, there really isn't a bad idea. You can build solutions and make things work and things can really get integrated at a big scale and change things so very cool well thank you for joining us thank you so much well that wraps up this podcast many thanks to the ucla herb alpert school of music and the ucla center for music innovation for being our hosts of this ongoing series you can subscribe to us in all the usual places or you can come find us at innovation dot school of music dot ucla dot edu join us again to follow the other adventures that we will be tracking down in innovating music thanks again thanks for listening you have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites, and you can find those in the show notes.